WFLF Fine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando. Friday morning here on the 50,000 watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Filling in for Bud today, this is Yaffe. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, payday without paychecks. We've got details coming up in one minute. And Trump went to the border, and we'll talk about that next. Today is payday, but hundreds of thousands of federal employees won't be getting paychecks. Some 800,000 government workers are furloughed or working without pay because of the partial shutdown now in its 21st day. Federal workers rallied in the state capitol, urging the politicians in Washington to quit bickering and end the government shutdown. Ray Coleman is a corrections officer at the federal prison in Tallahassee, and he won't be getting his usual paycheck today, but the convicts in work programs will. The ironic thing about it is that the inmates are still getting paid, Congress is still getting paid, and, you know, no matter how you look at it, it's like the crooks are getting paid, you know, we're the ones that aren't getting paid. Coleman says their protest has nothing to do with border walls or assigning blame for the government shutdown. They just want to get paid for the work they've already done. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. As President Trump continues to make his case for constructing a border wall, he got a first-hand look at the border yesterday. On a tour of the Rio Grande with Border Patrol agents, President Trump again made his pitch for a border barrier. Where we have a good, strong barrier, you don't have problems. Now, the problem is they go to the barrier, that's it, but now they go around the barrier. So when you fill up the gaps, it's going to be a much different day. The president also met with mayors from the Valley region. McAllen Mayor Jim Darling says local leaders must be a part of border security solutions with consideration of the Border Patrol, ecological concerns, and property rights. In McAllen, Texas, Jared Halpern, Fox News. And we'll take calls and texts on Trump's trip to the border. I think he actually came off looking very good. It's hard to argue against a border barrier when all the people on the ground there are saying, we need it, it works. Wisconsin police say 13-year-old Jamie Kloss, who went missing in October, has been found alive. Kloss vanished after her parents were found shot to death in Barron County in the western part of the state. The Barron County Sheriff says a suspect has been taken into custody. Here in Florida, a discovery in Marion County could end the search for a missing couple. Deputies this week found what may be human remains outside a home in Dunellen. That's where 75-year-old Leighton Underwood and his 69-year-old wife Donna lived. They were reported missing last weekend and their car was reported stolen, perhaps by a relative. One person is dead after a shooting in Brevard County. It happened yesterday afternoon in Palm Bay at a home on Firth Road. The victim has not been identified. There's no word on a suspect or motive. The University of Central Florida quarterback who suffered a career-threatening injury is providing an update on his health. That sound you're hearing is Knights quarterback Mackenzie Milton using a leg press. Incredible progress in his recovery from a gnarly leg injury that he suffered back on November 23rd, resulting in multiple surgeries with fear at one point that his leg might be amputated after dislocating his knee entirely and ceasing blood flow to the injury site as a result. Milton writing in a post for that social media video, thanking God for the miracles I see every day in my life, went from almost losing my leg to leg pressing 40 pounds in a little over a month. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. That is a pretty good recovery. 
Yeah. I don't think anyone expected him to be able to do that now. At the end of the season, uh, Josh Heupel, the UCF head coach, said they expect Mackenzie Milton to be back in action this coming season. Really? Yeah. Wow. We hope so. WFLA News time is 6.05. Speaking of Sunshine State quarterbacks, Tim Tebow gets engaged. Dang it. That story and a picture of his fiance <laughs> are very upset Timmy, about that, apparently. On, why? It's all online at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. Yes, and you can also listen to us on AM540 or on the iHeartRadio app. Just search News Radio 93.1 on there. Or on your HD radio, 107.7 HD3. This is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back Monday, but we have Alan Spector giving you the news. Tom Benson producing. How do? And uh, Melissa taking your calls. Yep. At 407-916-5400. You can always text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. We're going to talk about Trump's trip to the border. I actually think Trump looked pretty good when he was at the border. He laid out why we need a wall, but he also had let other people speak who are on the ground there, border patrol, people with homeland security, and also family members of those who have been killed by illegal immigrants. This is what makes Trump look good. When you look at all of this together, it's hard to argue against the wall. When people on the ground there are saying Yes, walls work or some kind of barrier. We need it. Like I said, it's hard to argue against it. I'm going to go over some different things that kind of prove Trump's point on why a wall would work. But the government shutdown continues, and it seems like there is no end in sight. And as you reported, people are not getting paid today because of it. Here's an update on one of the top political stories for you right now. President Trump says the law clearly gives him the right to declare a national emergency to get money for a border wall. Trump said again yesterday he won't sign any spending bill that does not provide funding for a barrier, and he is willing to declare the emergency. A declaration would likely be challenged in court. I want to get into more detail in that in the 7 o'clock hour and take your calls. I'll give my take again on whether Trump should do that. But I want your take as well. We'll get to that at 7. But we have updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So, yes, it definitely was the big story yesterday. President Trump arriving in the border town of McAllen, Texas. Now, he spoke before he went there, he spoke while he was there, he spoke after he was there, all talking about the need for a barrier and a border wall, some kind of wall, steel barrier, and more security, frankly. And what he did, I think, was actually really smart, because when he went down there, he was flanked by senators who support him, but also Border Patrol officers, people in the Department of Homeland Security, And when he had that roundtable, he had them explain. It wasn't just Trump talking this time. He had them, people on the ground, explain why some kind of barrier works. Now, at one point when he was there, he did an interview with Sean Hannity and told him why we need the wall. Go ahead and play that cut, Tom. 
We're not going anywhere. We're not changing our mind because there's nothing to change your mind about. The war works. It's not a question like, well, maybe it won't work. It'll work 100%. Now, we're adding onto that equipment to find drugs that are hidden in cars. I mean, we have this incredible equipment. We're adding sensors. We're adding drones. But what we need is we need the, the barrier. If we don't have a barrier, if we don't have a steel or concrete barrier, we're all wasting a lot of time. Now, this was something I pointed out yesterday. Trump is not against all the other kinds of security measures that can be done at the border. Even Democrats say they support those things. They're just against the one thing, and that's the barrier. But as I said, people on the ground pointed out that the barrier helps them immensely, and it helps complement all of those other things that are needed. And I thought there was an easy compromise. Let's have it all. Democrats say they want border security. They say they want new technology. Okay, fine. We'll have that and a border barrier. I think that's fine. Why not have both? That would end the divide. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Trump did something that I think was pretty smart. He played on people's emotions a little bit. And if you're complaining about that, I mean, Democrats do the same thing every day. When you talk about health care, for instance, they're always playing on your emotions. But Trump did the same thing, and I think this kind of stuff actually works. I want to play some audio here of some family members of those who were killed by illegal immigrants. One is Reggie Singh, who is the brother of the slain officer Raniel Singh. And then I'm going to play audio of a mother of a slain Border Patrol agent, Javier Vega. Both of these people were killed by... um were killed by illegal immigrants. These are what a lot of times the mothers are called angel moms uh, if their kid was killed by an illegal immigrant or something, or the brother's called an angel brother. So go ahead and play those cuts for me, Tom Benson. Looking at that five-month-old baby, looking for his dad, no one should ever go through that on Christmas Day. No family should suffer the loss of a child. A parent should not have to bury their child. So there you have it right there. Reggie Singh and uh, the mother of slain border agent Javier Vega, both there, both next to Trump, both know the damaging effects of having an unsecure border and having illegal immigrants come into this country. And they're saying they're there and they're saying we support what President Trump is doing. Now, there is another amazing cut that I want to play for you here that just shows how the Democrats saying the wall is either immoral or the wall is ineffective just doesn't make sense in the big scheme of things. Obama's Border Patrol chief, that's right, this was the Border Patrol chief under Obama. His name is Mark Morgan. He was on Fox News this week, and even he came out, he broke his silence, and he said, look, Trump is right. We need some kind of barrier. Here's that cut. Go to the experts that are really working that. I'll, I'll say the president has done that. The president is talking to the leadership of CBP and the Border Patrol and the rank and file. And those are the experts. And they're saying the wall works. It doesn't work everywhere. It's not the end all to be all. Right. But it works. No one is saying that it's the end all be all. No one is against other security measures. But the Democrats are coming out and they're saying they're against the barrier. They're against the wall. And it's become more obvious by the day. It's not about money. We all know it's not about money, right? Five billion dollars. Democrats will spend five billion dollars in their sleep. They don't care. It's about just not giving Trump the win. 
It's about making Trump look bad by blaming him for this government shutdown. And frankly, it's harder and harder to make that argument when the people on the ground that are affected by this on a daily basis are coming out and saying Trump is right. Whatever you think about him, he's right. 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Here's an update on a pretty big local story for you right now. Broward County Sheriff appears to be on his way out. Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to announce today that he's suspending Sheriff Scott Israel. DeSantis has criticized Israel, as have others, for his department's response to the Parkland school shooting. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Now, Tom Benson, over the break you were telling me, because I think Trump actually looked pretty good yesterday. Mm -hmm. One thing they did is he was next to Border Patrol officers, but he was also next to guns and drugs that were confiscated recently at the border. I mean, that definitely makes him look good. Um, It was a great visual. Yeah, it really was. That's when Trump is at his best, I believe. But you had said that there's a reason why Trump looked good yesterday that a lot of people don't know about. My guess is probably because uh, the former uh, news executive uh, for Fox News, Bill Shine, is now deputy chief for White House Communications. And I bet you he was behind the show. That makes sense. Tom Benson always has like the insider information when it comes to media. Wag the dog. Is that what it is? (laughs) (laughs) So let's take some calls here on this. Let's go to Robert in Oviedo. Robert, what's your take on this? Good morning, Yaffe. How are you doing today? Pretty good, my friend. Hey, this is all about slowing Trump down. This guy's going down his list of campaign promises and knocking it out of the park at a speed that I've never seen in my lifetime. You know, they're just digging in their heels I mean, the more he keeps accomplishing stuff like this, uh, the the more bleak things look for Democrats in 2020. I mean, jobs covered, manufacturing jobs through the roof. And now if he builds a wall and solves a big problem, we're bleeding a lot of money and lives. I can't believe 50,000 heroin deaths a year. And it's like no big deal to the Democrats. Just they, they brush it off. But it's a serious problem. And he's trying to face he's pragmatic, you know. All right, Robert, I appreciate your call. Now, we have to say Trump hasn't accomplished it yet, but hopefully he will. Let's go to line one. Let's go to Rob. Rob, what do you think about this? Hello? Yeah, Rob, you there? Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Listen, uh, did you know that the uh, the Democrats are always complaining that it's immoral? But they, uh, I think it was in 2017, and uh, nobody knew about it, they approved uh, $500 million to give to Jordan to build a wall on their border. Really? I I was Googling that right now, oh. and I got an affirmative answer from them. Wow. $500 million for a border 287 miles long. But but walls don't work. Why they do that? I don't understand. I don't know, because it's immoral <laughs> only in the United States, not in other countries. I guess so. That is that is amazing. Now, Melissa, you said you fact-checked Yeah, that? I fact-checked it as well, and he's on. He's on the money. Wow. That, that, Trump should point that out sometime. Let's go to uh, Lee in Orlando. Lee, what's your take on all this? Good morning, Abby. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Congratulations on your new show. Wish you oh, much success. Thank, thank you, my friend. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about Trump. I agree with you when you say that it's not about the money. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but negotiating with Trump is like trying to eat soft jello with a fork. Now, if you remember, there were two deals on the table to give him border wall. Up, oh, you there? Conference room with all the leaders of both parties and said, you guys come up with a deal. Whatever it is on immigration, we need to fix it. And whatever you come up with, I'll sign it. He got $25 billion to build his wall, and the other side got DACA protection for the kids. Well, he promised well, to sign whatever they came up with, and then he reneged on the deal. You know, I actually had criticized Trump over that um, when I was hosting during the Christmas break. I actually criticized him because there was a deal there. Um, well, there was I, a second deal also just recently, right? Passed by the Republican House when they still had control. Unanimous, unanimously passed by Mitch McConnell's Senate and well, agreed to by Donald Trump. And he backed out when well, Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter started to ball. We didn't elect okay. Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter to run the government. Well, but a lot of Trump's base did elect him for those things. You're right. Trump. The reason why Trump backed out on that, and I criticize him for that, too. I thought he should have stayed his ground from the beginning. The reason why Trump backed out on that is because his base didn't like it. But also you had the conservative Freedom Caucus that was out there telling Trump you need to stick to your ground on this. Now, when you talk about... Um, the deal made by Republicans in control or whatever. Trump met with them afterwards, met with uh, Paul Ryan, and Paul Ryan made an announcement saying, look, Trump wants border security. And Paul Ryan said, I agree, we should have border security. Then the House passed a bill under the Republican-controlled House. They passed a bill that, that included border security and included money for the wall. But then the Senate did not pass it because the Senate... Um, didn't have enough mo- votes to break the filibuster. That's where we are now. So it's not that Republicans um, were against the wall. The House eventually passed funding for the wall. In the 8 o'clock hour today, I want to talk about what kind of deal you would be willing to accept. Would our audience be willing to accept a wall for DACA deal? I have a feeling some are probably pretty split on that. So we're going to get to that in the 8 o'clock hour and uh, much more on this coming up in the show. Now, Alan Spector, he's got the news coming up in just a moment. And what are you going to talk about? Well, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, but uh, it looks like the governor is going to make a change at the uh, sheriff's department in Broward County, uh, where the sheriff's been under yeah. fire since the Parkland shooting. And also, a cruise ship is returning early to Port Canaveral because a bunch of people got sick. Yeah, it was like 270 or something I got all like the details that? coming up. Okay. We don't have to go into it right this second. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just an amazing That's why, story. That's why we have a newscast. <laughs> Turn around the boat, boys. We're sick. So we have a sheriff who is probably on his way out and a cruise ship full of sick people. And you have a lot of other news for us, Alan Spector, so I'll let you take it from here. I've got it all right here, right in front of me. <laughs> it looks like Broward County is about to get a new sheriff. Governor Ron DeSantis travels to South Florida today and is expected to announce the suspension of Scott Israel. He's been under fire for his department's response to the Valentine's Day massacre at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. Israel's replacement will reportedly be Coral Springs Sergeant Gregory Tony, who would become Broward's first black sheriff. Other changes the new governor is making include a reboot of the South Florida Water Management District. 
district is more concerned with protecting polluters than safeguarding water. Their budget was slashed during the Rick Scott administration. Scientists were fired. Developers named to the board of directors. Now Governor Ron DeSantis says it's time for a clean reset. He sent letters demanding the resignation of every member of the board of directors. DeSantis says he'll be appointing people who share his vision for restoring the Everglades, protecting the environment, and cleaning up the water supply. In Tallahassee, Rick Flagg, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A Royal Caribbean cruise ship is returning to Port Canaveral early due to a nasty outbreak of a stomach virus. The Oasis of the Seas will arrive tomorrow instead of Sunday because more than 250 passengers and crew are sick. Passengers will get some money back, including this woman. I've been in ships before where this has happened, and one of the things that we're really thankful for is the fact that we got a full day's credit, um, which hasn't happened before. Royal Caribbean issued a statement pointing out that only about 3% of the 6,000 passengers are sick, but the ship is returning early to be thoroughly sanitized before the next sailing. I think that's courteous of them. (laughs) SpaceX is set to launch a rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California this morning. The Falcon 9 is scheduled to lift off at 7.31 a.m. Pacific time. That's 10.31 our time. As long as the weather holds out, the rocket will send a set of communication satellites into space. AT&T says it's going to stop selling customers' location data to third-party tracking services. Yesterday's announcement came after senators asked the FCC to investigate whether those sales violate people's privacy. And Gina Cervetti is going to have more on that in the Bloomberg Business Report. Tampa Bay's new head coach made his debut yesterday at one Buccaneer place. Former Arizona Cardinals head coach Bruce Arians is coming back to the NFL after a year off and is excited about his new job. We love young players. I love veteran players. But this is a great group. I think we have the core here to win quickly. I'm not about building. I'm about reloading. And uh, with that, I can't say how, again, how excited I am to be a Tampa Bay Buck. And Buck's general manager, Jason Light, calls Bruce Arians the coolest damn coach in the NFL. He better be the best coach in the NFL. He better win some games. I don't care how cool he is. Just saying. All right. The uh, gauntlet's been thrown down by <laughs> Michael Yaffe for Sorry. Bruce Arians. Little, I need my bucks to do better. WFLA News Time is 636. I am Alan Spector, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. Here's one of the top national stories we're following for you right now. Police in Wisconsin. We'll share more information this morning about the discovery of a 13-year-old Jamie Kloss who went missing in October when her parents were found shot to death. She was found alive yesterday in the town of Gordon, about an hour north of her family's home in western Wisconsin. A suspect is in custody. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. So if you ever listen to this show when Bud's hosting or when I'm hosting, you know, when we talk about members of Congress, you know, nationally in Washington, D.C., there's no doubt that Bud and I support term limits for them. Now, we already have term limits for the Florida legislature, and Bud and I are both people who believe in term limits most of the time. Bud has talked about having term limits for the mayor, for the mayor's office even in Orlando, 
because the same guy can just buddy Dyer. How long has he been there? It's been like one of the longest runs for mayor. Since 1893, Buddy Dyer has been the mayor of Orlando. So we've talked about term (laughs) limits for uh, mayor. (laughs) I I could be wrong on that. (laughs) It seems like. Chief Osceola (laughs) appointed him. Yes, that's good. (laughs) I almost just passed right by that. I almost just went with it. Aye, aye, aye. But um, he has been mayor for a long time. I believe, I need to double check on that, but I think he's been mayor of Orlando for longer than most Orlando mayors in Orlando's history. I'm not sure the exact stats on that, but um, so we talk about that, but what about school board? It's not something usually most of us really think about, but it is important. I know a lot of you right now that are listening have kids in school, voted for school board in the past election. Maybe uh, you're taking your kids to school right now. Is this an issue for you or do you think it's really not that big of a deal? Well, the Florida legislature is actually taking this up. Um, The idea, which appeared to have traction last fall, so it's not a new idea. There were some private polls out there that showed that the majority of people in the state of Florida wanted term limits for school board members. Well, it's headed back to the legislature for another round of consideration. Lawmakers discussed the concept in 2018, but dumped their efforts when it became clear the Constitution Revision Commission planned to tackle the matter. Well, it ended up that CRC failed to get that on the ballot this year because the Florida Supreme Court um, didn't like some aspects of the proposal. Well, and for another thing, there was already enough stuff on that ballot already. And uh, I, for one, am happy to see at least one issue given back to the legislature for them to take responsibility for. (laughs) Not my problem. (laughs) I voted... No, on all the amendments except one for that very reason, because I believe that these things should be handled in the legislature, not by the Florida Constitution. The only one I voted for was um, Amendment 4, giving voting rights to felons, because I believe that is a constitutional issue. That's weird, Because it's voting rights. It's the only one I didn't vote yes for. Oh, well... (laughs) I don't believe you. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. She's just being contradictory. But that that was why, for that reason, because I think there's just too many. It becomes confusing, and it's really not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, the legislature just doesn't seem to want to take responsibility yes. on a lot of controversial issues and just says, okay, we'll put it on the ballot and let the voters decide. Yeah, and that's not how it's supposed to work. Well, one of the issues now that they're taking up is uh, school board. Should they face term limits? Now, this proposal that's being uh, put out there would ask voters to limit board members to two consecutive four-year terms. In an odd to concerns that such a proposal could, at its outset, remove sitting elected officials from their seats, the measures would not count any service completed before November 3rd, 2020, making it a forward-looking only. So those who are already in there wouldn't have to worry about it. To me, I don't have any kids in school, and it's been a while since I've been in grade school. But to me, it seems like a common sense proposal. I'm not sure. I can't think of any reason why not to do this, except some people argue that term limits goes against the will of the people. If the people keep voting in the same person over and over again, that's their will, and we should just accept it. I tend to be for term limits, especially in local government, and I think for school board it should count because I think a lot of these people just end up staying in office forever. 
And I think, unfortunately, local elections don't get enough attention from voters. Yeah. And frequently it's a last minute thing. They look at the ballot before they go in and they say, oh, well, I recognize this guy's name because he's been on the school board for however many years or on the county commission or what have you. That's how I do it. And so name recognition Mm -hmm. uh, becomes such an important factor. And uh, if you're in office for a long period of time, you can develop that. Is there anyone out there who thinks that school board should just go on forever if they if they keep getting elected or do they support this measure for term limits how much money do they make because i might be interested (laughs) they make more than i do that's all i know well who (laughs) doesn't (laughs) that's really not saying anything exactly by the way buddy dyer has been uh, in office since 2003 for that special election i was close Yes. Yeah, 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 only 100 you, years off. 115, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk more about the stats on how many incumbents were reelected last year in school board. Here's one of the top political stories for you right now. President Trump says the law clearly gives him the right to declare a national emergency to get money for a border wall. Trump said again yesterday he won't sign any spending bill that does not provide funding for a barrier. And he's willing to declare the emergency. A declaration will likely be challenged in court. I want to talk more about this in the next half hour and get your take on whether Trump should do it or not. And updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Now, when it comes to term limits for school board members, just over some stats here in the last in the last election, and some people point this out as reason why we don't need term limits. Twenty five sitting school board members statewide lost their seats. So there is some turnover when it comes to this. Sometimes twenty five got booted out of office. That being said, seventy three incumbents were reelected without opposition, as were 53 newcomers. Well, what happened with Amendment 8? Wasn't that the one that was supposed to impose the limits? Did it not get passed? Is that what happened? Did I miss something? Yeah, there was a, it was something about, they wanted, the CRC wanted to put this on the ballot, but the Supreme Court shot it down. The Florida yeah. Supreme Court shot it down. That's why it was not on the ballot, and that's why the Florida legislature is uh, picking this up right now. Let's see some calls on this. Let's go to Bertha. Bertha, how are you this morning? Good morning. Happy, happy new year. Thank you. I would like to say, I remember years and years ago, I don't know what they're doing now, school board members did not get paid in New York. You should be a parent. You should have a, a standard in the PTA, and you get elected. It's, how can you vote and you don't have a child in school to have the interest? It should not be a paid job. You can get a stipend, but not paid. Interesting. I think that's a very, I think that might actually be a good idea. I appreciate your call, Bertha. She thinks not only... She thinks it's not even about term limits. It should be about pay, and you should have a, sk- a s- kid in well, school. Yeah, but uh, Tom and I were just discussing and having our own show here, actually, in Master Control, um, where we were talking about... <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's uh, just talk amongst yourselves over no, there, would no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, our taxes pay for this, so students in school or not, I mean, we should have some controlling interest. I pay taxes for this. That's school. a good point as well. That's a good point as well. Let's take a call here. Let's go to Scott in Orlando. Scott, what do you think about this? I think there should be a term limit, and I think the school board 
should be checked on their spending. I know a teacher that complains that the school board makes her buy her supplies from one vendor that is three times the price of Office Depot. You know, why, why is this? Maybe that vendor is giving that school board director money for her campaigns and this and that. Where did Teresa Jacobs get her money for campaigns with the big O signs of Teresa Jacobs with that concerned look on her face and this and that? You know, it's just a name recognizing her name, Teresa Jacobs. What does he really know about the school board? Yeah. And the other thing is, Christine Moore with the school board spent $30,000 to do a research of the appearance of the schools. $30,000. So do you think term limits would help solve that problem? It would, and and you need to check their spending. And if you really want the truth, it should be an anonymous survey with the teachers because the teachers work for the school yeah. board director. Hmm. Thank you. Interesting. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't know. I still like the idea of having the people be able to elect them, not just the teachers. Um, that being said, the, I went to uh, – it was sort of a meet and greet with some state state officials, people running for state legislator and people running for school board – I went to a meet and greet with them a couple years ago, and the biggest complaint that they had was not term limits or anything like that. The biggest complaint that they had was that school board members really don't have a lot of power. This was a time when Common Core was a really big issue, and a lot of people were against it, and they wanted to vote for school board members that would put a stop to it. And the people running for school board said plainly they would try, but all of that's controlled by the state at the state level. So the biggest complaints that I hear when it comes to school board actually isn't that the school board is corrupt or has too much power. It's that they really don't have much power at all and that most of this is run by the county or the state. And I think that's wrong. I think there should be more local control and it shouldn't just be controlled at the state level. All right, to Alan Spector. He's going to have the news at the top of the hour. What's the top story for us? Top story is... It's Friday, it's payday, but not for everybody because of the federal government shutdown. Well, we'll have a chance for them to win some money as well. That's (laughs) true. We'll get to that, and I want to talk about Trump declaring a national emergency. Do you think he should just declare a national emergency to build the wall? WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good Friday morning, Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000 watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Filling in for Bud today, this is Yaffe. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning no pay on payday. Details are coming up in one minute. So yesterday, I gave my take on whether Trump should declare a national emergency to build the wall. I want to get your take on it this half hour coming up next. 7.03 on News Radio 93.1. Today, Friday, is payday for federal employees, or it used to be anyway, before the government shutdown. Ray Coleman works at the federal prison in Tallahassee and says... It's time for the politicians to settle this. Let's come together, open a government so we can get paid, and you guys can dialogue about that and come to a consensus of whatever we need to do to move forward, but pay us for the jobs that we're doing in the meantime. You know, we don't like being political pawns in a political chess match. Coleman was one of more than three dozen people who staged a rally outside the Florida Capitol calling for an end to the shutdown. 
The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. As he continues to make his case to the American people for a border wall and to try to justify the shutdown, President Trump joined Fox's Sean Hannity last night. He pushed back on Democrats who are pledging to challenge the administration in court if Trump declares a national emergency at the border. The law is very clear. I mean, we have the absolute right to declare a national emergency, and this is security stuff. This is a national emergency, if you look at what's happening. Trump went to the border in McAllen, Texas, yesterday to push the need for a border wall in an effort to stem the wave of human trafficking and other drug crimes in the region. Well, Trump says the law is very clear, but it's, it's not. And I'm going to talk about that next, and we'll get to your take as well. All right. Two Central Florida first responders credited with saving a man from a burning vehicle this week are speaking about the incident. Volusia County Sheriff's Deputy Tim Maxwell said he and his partner were close to the accident scene and responded quickly. In moments like that, the um, adrenaline kicks in and you just react. Uh, We got out of our vehicles, you know, you kind of assess, you know, the damage. One person died on scene in the head-on crash along Interstate 95. Maxwell and other law officers are credited with saving the life of a second person by freeing him from the vehicle in which he was trapped. A county commissioner could be in line for a new job in Seminole County. Commissioner Lee Constantine says that Governor Ron DeSantis has asked if he's interested in becoming Seminole's next election supervisor. He would replace Mike Urtel, recently appointed by DeSantis to be Secretary of State. Constantine says he has not been offered the position, but if he is, he would certainly consider it. President Trump's ex-attorney will be talking to Congress before he heads to prison. Former lawyer for President Trump, Michael Cohen, testifies before the House Oversight Committee on February 7th. Committee Chair Elijah Cummings has sent document requests to the White House to try to determine why the president left off hush money payments on his public financial disclosure form. It was Cohen who says he delivered that money to two women claiming to have had affairs with the president. The committee's top Republican Congressman Jim Jordan says Cohen's appearance shows that Cummings is using the committee as a venue for political theater. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. Officials in Las Vegas are issuing a warrant to get the DNA of international soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo in a rape investigation. A woman claims that Ronaldo raped her in a hotel room in 2009. Police want to compare his DNA to traces found on the woman's dress. WFLA news time is 7.06. Bad news for Netflix freeloaders. Time to get your own accounts. That story is online at WFLAOrlando.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back on Monday. We have Alan Spector giving you the news. Tom Benson producing and Melissa screening your calls at 407-916-5400. Trump is continuing to make the case. And many Republicans and some conservatives are calling on him to do this. He continues to make the case that he should declare a national emergency, which would provide funding to build the border barrier. I'm going to give you my take because I disagree with this. I think this is a bad idea and it sets a bad precedent. But I want your take as well. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. Here is one of the top stories we're looking at for you this morning. President Trump's former lawyer is going to testify to Congress 
Michael Cohen is slated to go before the House Oversight Committee next month. President Trump says he's not worried about Cohen's plans to testify. Cohen is heading to prison for a number of charges, including for making illegal hush money payments to women who said they had affairs with Trump. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So this is always a somewhat of a difficult part of the show for me because now I'm on the air, but is out sick. He should be back on Monday. But I'm going to talk about something that I disagree with Bud on. Well, it should be easy because he's not here. Yeah, exactly right. I just <laughs> he wish he's not here. But he listens. He'll call you out on Monday. So <laughs> yeah. It's all good. I disagree with Bud and a lot of you and even many conservative commentators that I respect and President Trump on whether he can declare a national emergency to build the wall. Now, President Trump doubled down on this yesterday when he spoke to reporters before he made that trip to the border. Here he is. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. The lawyers have so advised me. I'm not prepared to do that yet, but if I have to, I will. If this doesn't work out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. Now, I talked a little bit about this yesterday in the 6 o'clock hour, but I wanted to talk about it now and get your take also. The reason why I'm very skeptical of this, there's a couple of reasons. One, I don't think it works out legally. When you look at the statutes involved that they want to use, the intention of those statutes was never to do anything like this. It was usually they were put in place to support the military in a national emergency like a military invasion. So the statutes say things like you can use it to support military structures. Well, the border fence is not a military structure. That is run by civilian authorities, including Homeland Security and Border Patrol. Those are not military authorities. Now, if we were building military bases and those bases need needed support and money and Congress didn't want to authorize it, then the president could declare national emergency and use it that way. But the way the statutes look right now, I don't see it. It seems like a stretch. So legally, I think this would be held up in the courts and I don't think it would pass because we all know that was not the intention of declaring a national emergency. But the main reason this bothers me is this. We all know really why Trump is saying this, right? Trump is saying this because he's not getting his way in Congress. Congress, you know, one house, the Democrats don't want to fund his border wall. I wish they would. They say they believe in national security and border security. If they believe in border security, they can work with Trump, get some of the things they want, and also get a wall built. I think that's totally possible. But the reason Trump's saying national emergency is the Democrats are holding firm. So Trump's saying, well, if Congress doesn't want to do it, then I'm just going to do it another way. I think that sets a bad precedent. You know, there's a reason we have three separate but equal branches of government, the uh, legislative, the judicial, yeah. and the executive uh, being the president. And uh, even top Republicans are warning of this being a bad precedent to declare a national emergency. In fact, our own uh, Marco Rubio uh, warned that uh, a future Democratic president 
could declare a national emergency over climate change. And I was just going to point that out. I want people to picture this. Picture all of a sudden we have President Elizabeth Warren or something. We've all been hearing, I know, Tom, poor Tom Benson just lost his breakfast. (laughs) Sorry about all those people that just drove off the road. But just imagine we had something like that. And we've heard from the Democrats, like Marco Rubio say, climate change is a crisis. Imagine all of a sudden they want to push their Green New Deal or something like this to build windmills or something to combat climate change. Imagine a Republicans for some reason control Congress and they say, we're not going to let you do this. We don't believe this is necessary right now and believe it will hurt the economy. And then all of a sudden, Elizabeth Warren comes out and says, you know what? It's such a crisis. I am going to declare a national emergency and I'm going to have the military build the windmills. And she says that during a rain dance. Right, I was going to say there had to be some sort of tribal reference coming on. I felt it. Yeah, <laughs> during a rain dance. <laughs> oh, geez. But just think about that. That's what I mean if it sets a bad precedent. To me, it's not good to have a president want to do something like this because Congress isn't helping him. It's like, well, Congress doesn't want to help me, so I'm going to do it my own way. That's not what these statutes were for. That's not what national emergencies were for. That's not what the laws were put in place for. And anyone who really believes in limited government and constitutional government knows that in their heart to be true. And like it or not, Democrats won the House, and one factor was people who voted for them didn't buy President Trump's uh, selling of the uh, the wall, uh, which was yeah. a big p- point of concern for him as he went on the stump in the midterm elections. So this is the part of the show now where I want you to call and text and maybe disagree with me. And I'm just going to let you speak. I won't argue with you or anything. I want to get your take. Maybe you convince me. You can convince me because I know a lot of you in the audience, and I know Bud, and I know a lot of conservatives out there are arguing the opposite of what I just said. Here's one of the top Florida stories for you right now. Broward County Sheriff appears to be on his way out. Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to announce today that he's suspending Sheriff Scott Israel. DeSantis has criticized Israel, as have others, for his department's response to the Parkland school shooting. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Alan Spector, and Michael Yaffe. So I'm getting a few different text messages that are basically telling me this. Well, the Democrats would do that anyway, speaking of declaring a national emergency. They're saying, well, the Democrats would do that anyway, whether Trump sets the precedent or not. That might be true. I'm not necessarily convinced of that. But two wrongs don't make a right is usually what I would say there. And I think precedents matter. If we do the same thing they do, we lose the moral high ground. We lose the argument and we have nothing to say in the future. That's my take on that. But let's take some calls here. I know a lot of you disagree with me on this. So let's go to uh, Dave in Rockledge. Dave, what's your take on this? Okay, he'll be using money allocated to the Corps of Engineers. Corps of Engineers is part of the Department of Defense, builds civilian projects in this country every single day. So it's not just allocated to military structures. The Corps builds dams, levees, and everything. So I think you're wrong in this particular point. All right. I appreciate your call. Interesting talking about the Corps of Engineers. From what I, from what I understand, the statutes and the national emergency 
uh, statutes that he specifically would be using, even if he uses the Corps of Engineers. Those statutes are not uh, for this particular thing, was my point. Let's go to uh, Michael in Melbourne. Michael, what's your take? Well, I I want to differ with you on the fact of uh, it being an emergency. I consider 4,000, I'm just going based on the statistics presented, 4,000 American citizens killed by illegal aliens and 30,000 uh, significant sexual-related crimes and 100,000 other felonies and assaults and so forth against American citizens by illegal aliens. That that constitutes an emergency in my book, and you got to think of the pain and suffering of all those people that might have been prevented had we been doing more uh, keeping these people out. Well, I definitely agree with you. It is a major, major problem. And I agree with Trump that, um, and I appreciate your call, Michael, I agree with Trump that we need the wall. And I agree we need more border security. We also need to get rid of sanctuary cities. We also need to protect the ports of entry better so the drugs don't get in there either. We also need uh, better uh, practices in dealing with deportation, and we need to change the immigration laws so we don't have this asylum problem in the first place. Now, talking about 4,000 people died, I agree with you. But let's say um, the Democrats want to say something's a national emergency to, I don't know, ban guns. Guns kill a lot of people in this country, right? Actually, guns don't people kill people. The people behind the guns kill them. But the Democrats would say, oh, we need to ban guns. Oh, but Congress doesn't want to do it? Well, it's a national emergency. I know that would be harder to do, though, because it's the Second Amendment. But I'm just saying um, we have to be a little bit careful here. Let's go to Mark in Orlando. Mark, what's your take? Well, you know, I, I basically agree with you, Yaffe, in that I think that it's not going to ultimately be a successful thing to declare an emergency. But at the same time, I think it's a politically smart thing to do because if he does it, we can move on past the shutdown. I think the shutdown is going to be much more politically damaging. Uh, and the longer it goes on, the more damaging it's going to be. And at the same time, you know, if he declares this, it's going to be in the courts for a long time. Probably to the 2020 campaign, he'll have something to campaign on again. He'll be able to still campaign on the wall. And yeah, politically, it makes sense. He'll have kept his promises uh, to the base. And at the same time, uh, he can move on and get some other stuff done. Well, Mark, I have to tell you this. I agree with you that that's big reason why he wants to possibly do it is because politically it would get him out of this government shutdown jam. But just because something's good politically doesn't make it right. Let's take another call. Let's go to Dan in Maitland. Dan, what's your take? Uh, we've been being invaded since the, what, 70s and 80s by everybody coming north to, of the border anyway. So why not use the military if this is an invasion force? And if you don't think it's an invasion, you know, go back to the statistics from the caller, you know, a couple previous of everybody that's been killed, injured, you know, and made a crime victim. So to me, it's an invasion. And if you don't want to use the military on an invasion, what's the military there for? All right. I appreciate your call. It's an invasion of a type. It's not a military type invasion. Um, I would just say that. Well, here, here's my main point on this then. If it really is the national emergency, like you're all saying, why didn't he just do it immediately? Why didn't he just do it first thing when he was in office, say, well, this is a national emergency. Let's do it. Why did he go through Congress to begin with? Why is he doing a government shutdown at all? Because he's not an authoritative kind of guy like you think he is. He's... But it's... that's my point. My point is, if that's an authoritative move, 
then it shouldn't be done because the president is not an authoritarian. He's the head of the executive branch. And that's why Congress has roles. So if it really was this national emergency and we're being invaded, why did he wait two years to do this? And why is he still waiting? Just do it right now. He's doing it because he knows that it would be get caught up in the courts. He knows it's murky legally, and he just wants to threaten the Democrats to get them on board. And if they don't work with them, well, it's just a way around it. I think people in their hearts know that to be true. Alan. Mike. Hello there. What's Alan. up? <laughs> so uh, what do you got for us in the news at the bottom of the hour? Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, taking some action concerning the environment. And it's time to meet the new Buccaneers head coach. By the way, in the next segment of the show, if you want to call early, you can. We have the sound judgment game coming up in the next segment. You can call right now, though, if you want, 407-916-5400. But before we get to that, it seems like uh, our new governor, Ron DeSantis, is already uh, busy at work. He's been very busy the first couple of days in office. Governor Ron DeSantis saying Florida's water and natural resources are the foundation of the state's economy and way of life. So yesterday he signed an executive order implementing major environmental reforms. DeSantis made the announcement at the Moat Marine Labs in Sarasota. I think this is a a very bold uh, vision. I think it's a bold policy. And I just got into office and here I am. So I think that shows people that this is not just going to be an issue, you know, that I'm going to put out there, but it's going to be one of our priorities. DeSantis's executive order provides two and a half billion dollars over the next four years to restore the Everglades, establishes a blue-green algae task force, as well as a chief science officer to oversee the state's environmental concerns and research data. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A cruise is coming to an early end after hundreds became sick. Royal Caribbean International's Oasis of the Seas will return to Port Canaveral tomorrow after an outbreak of norovirus. Almost 300 passengers and crew members were taken ill on a trip that was supposed to reach Mexico. That Mexico stop was canceled. The trip was cut short by a day, and passengers are getting some money back. One of the nation's largest telecommunications companies says it will keep your data safe from third-party buyers and sellers. AT&T is agreeing to end all sales of location data for mobile phones to brokers. It comes after Vice reported the company was still selling some, despite a pledge last year to stop providing that information to third-party buyers, who in turn sell it to advertisers. The Vice report found bounty hunters are able to access that data and use it to track wanted criminals, but that also means anybody could be tracked that way. AT&T was making an exception to their pledge last year by selling data for what they believed were useful services like roadside assistance or fraud protection. Ken Duffy, Fox News. A huge winter storm is expected to dump snow from Denver to New York City. Forecasters say the snow won't let up until Sunday at the earliest. The storm is bearing down on more than 20 million people, and it's heavy enough to snarl traffic on the roads and in the air. He was introduced by Bucks GM Jason Light as the coolest damn coach in the NFL. Bruce Arians talked to reporters at one Buccaneer place yesterday afternoon as Tampa Bay's new head coach. The 66-year-old former Cardinals head coach says he's looking forward to working with Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston. I want him to relax and play the game. Talent's no issue. It's just becoming a little bit smarter. He's going to be coached as well, I think, as he's ever been and more prepared than he's ever been fundamentally and mentally. So it's his team. 
And I'll tell our players in the first meeting, this isn't my team. It's your team. We'll be as good as you want to be. Arian says he is impressed with the Buccaneers and says in his words, I'm not about building. I'm about reloading. All right. Elsewhere. Good. Elsewhere. I've got three quick stories for you, all involving fast food. Yay. <laughs> what, what Calm down, I like, everyone. I please. like fast food. <laughs> Taco Night is getting credit for a six-figure lottery win in Virginia. Linda Barnes tells state lottery officials that she had to make a last-minute run to the store to get a few ingredients for tacos that her granddaughter wanted for dinner. While at the store, she decided to pick up a scratch-off ticket. That ticket wound up winning her $150,000. That's a lot of tacos. On the subject of tacos, Taco Bell is looking to attract more vegetarians. The food chain announced it's going to test a new vegetarian menu at select locations. Taco Bell is planning to unveil new vegetarian items, but it will also play up the meatless options it already has on the menu. Taco Bell says its current menu allows for 8 million vegetarian combinations, and vegetarians could customize a new meatless meal every day for 20,000 years. (laughs) (laughs) 20,000 years? Yeah, I'm good. 20,000 years of Taco Bell. Anyways, what I'd really want to see them try, actually I don't because I love meat, but try to go vegan. Could you imagine Taco Bell trying to go vegan? I think that's like impossible. Now, we'll see. Fish tacos. <laughs> and our, <laughs> yeah, our final fast food story, an unusual video posted to Facebook Live on Sunday showed a homeless man bringing a dead raccoon into a McDonald's in San Francisco. The man left it on a table, <laughs> leaving a trail of blood. Ugh. The restaurant had to be closed immediately for a thorough cleaning, and the health department had to give it the okay before it reopened two hours later. And no, the menu was not altered to include raccoon McNuggets. All <laughs> right, was, so just that rumor is not true. I was, <laughs> I was like, was he trying to barter, maybe? <laughs> Here's one dead <laughs> raccoon for a I Big Mac. I will trade you one dead raccoon <laughs> for a hamburger, which I will pay you for on Tuesday. Thank you, Wimpy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, some interesting stories. I, I'm glad they closed and cleaned up the place, though. That was nice so, of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a nice. All right, we have the Sound Judgment Game coming up next. If you want to call in for that, you can call right now, 407-916-5400. And I think we're still playing for... Monster Jam tickets. Good. That's correct. Nice. All right. Grave Digger. <laughs> Melissa sounds very excited about it. No, I really am. I only I... need the edge of my seat. Tom Actually. Benson's You Go. What? <laughs> it's Actually, all there. Monster Jam is really a lot of fun. When I when I went it was actually a lot more fun than even I was expecting. It's it's a great event. So It's very loud. Yeah, which I makes it, it even which <clears throat> makes it even better. So we have that in Windows news weather and traffic. Here is one of the top national stories for you right now. Police in Wisconsin will share more information this morning about the discovery of a 13-year-old Jamie Kloss who went missing in October when her parents were found shot to death. She was found alive yesterday in the town of Gordon, about an hour north of her family's home in western Wisconsin. A suspect is in custody. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. And we still have some open lines for sound judgment, so if you want to win that great prize, you can call right now, 407-916-5400. 
And our own Melissa Fox is going to tell you what that prize is today. Why, Michael, we have a four-pack of tickets to go see the Monster Jam. It's a Camping World Stadium Saturday, next Saturday, 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 next Saturday. <laughs> next Saturday. Right. A four I pack. say next Saturday. Whatever. It wasn't Not this, this Saturday. Saturday. Next. <laughs> All right. Anywho, right. yes, we have those wonderful tickets to give away for Monster Jam, and it's going to be a, an awesome time Saturday. All right. Sound, sounds like a lot of fun. Like I said, it really is a great event. So for today's sound judgment, we've been talking a lot about Trump's trip to the border. Well, there's one reporter out there who decided he was going to shoot a little video at one of the border fences or where the steel slats are, the steel fence. He decided he was going to shoot a little video there, and he thought this video was actually sort of a dig at President Trump, but it actually ended up proving President Trump's point. I want you to listen to this audio and tell me, who is this reporter that basically got owned on the internet yesterday for this? And here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about uh, right here. Uh, as you can see, yes, you can see through these slats to the uh, other side of the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, but as we're walking along here, we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger. There are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, Texas area. As a matter of fact, there are some other businesses uh, behind me along this highway. There's a gas station, Burger King, and so on. Uh, but no sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here. Which kind of proves that maybe walls and fences work. Maybe, just maybe. All right, so, sound judgment question. Tell me, who is that reporter? Let's go to line one. Line one, who was that? Line one, I would say that would be Jim Acosta. Yep, exactly right. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, he kind of trolled himself on that one. Uh, thanks for proving our point, Jim. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Immediately after he put that video out, people kept saying, oh, so you proved our point. Walls work. So this is amazing stuff. He's still he's still standing by it, but um, really, like I said, just proved Trump's point. All right, you have won the Monster Jam tickets. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from today? Uh, thanks a lot, Michael. Uh, my name is Greg, and I'm calling from Orlando. Greg from Orlando. Have you ever been to Monster Jam? You know what? I actually won Monster Jam tickets from you guys like maybe four or five months ago. We took the kids. It was in the Amway. Oh, that was the uh, yeah. That was the other event. Um, that was the indoor Monster Jam event that they did in the yeah, Amway. Yeah, it was center. the indoor one. So the, I didn't know if the kids would like it or not, and they went crazy. They loved it, and so my wife's been after me. She's like, "Call into the radio station. Try to win <laughs> tickets. Try to win tickets." And I'm like, "I'm like, you can't force that. It's going to happen, or it's going to happen. I don't know." <laughs> well, it sounds like a dollar, a dollar. It sounds like it was fate. It sounds like it was meant to be that you. Uh, won that prize so um congratulations my friend i'll put you on hold and she will tell you and get those tickets okay thank you yeah no problem at all one second time he's won monster jam tickets in the last year here is one of the top local stories we're following for you right now governor ron DeSantis wants to reboot the south florida water management district he's demanding the resignation of every member of the board of directors DeSantis says he'll be appointing people who share his vision for restoring the Everglades, protecting the environment, and cleaning up the water supply. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Alan Spector, and Michael Yaffe on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. 
Yes, uh, Friday morning here on the 50,000 watt front porch. Bud will be back on Monday. Um, since it's Friday, I wanted to tell you that it's Free Movie Friday. Yes, Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets is here. It's your chance to win free movie tickets. What you want to do is text now. Text. I want you to text record. Text the word record now to Adam1. Text the word record to A-T-O-M-1. For your chance to win, make sure to download the Adam Tickets app where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. So in the 7 o'clock hour earlier, I was talking about why I think it's a bad idea for President Trump to declare a state of emergency to build the wall. Well, I have one texter who is really mad at me about this, says my views are unacceptable. Of course, he called me yappy. It's not yappy. By it's, the way, that text was signed Bud Hedinger. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's not yappy. It's yaffy. Y a f f e. It's not yappy. No, stop it in there. Rhymes <laughs> with taffy. Taffy. Yes, it's, Laffy. That's my last name. Mm-hmm. But he said something Happy. that kind of uh, disturbs me. He says he talks about how it's reached crisis proportions at our borders. I agree. The border is um, the problem at the border is a crisis. He says, Trump prefers and keeps trying to use alternate ways and means. He says, God has appointed President Trump. He says, he will protect people using the national emergency. Then he says this. This is the part that I don't like. Our country needs a new style of governing, not this crazy madness. The world looks on, uh, looks on and asks, is this what you are exporting to us? Anytime I hear someone say something like, we need a new type of governing, we need a new style of governing, I get concerned. I say, look at Venezuela. Knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How's that working out? I support Trump. I support the wall. I voted for Trump and I vote for Republicans. But before Trump, I support the Constitution. I support limited government. I support conservatism over trump i am not going to give up the way we govern in this country in terms of the constitution which yes is messy that was the point it was supposed to be hard for the government to do things because it was supposed to be liberty for the people if the government was limited when people start saying yeah but i love trump and i want him to have more power and the way we've been doing it is wrong we need to change the way we do government that worries me Because that leads, in my opinion, to a dangerous place. If it's the guy you like, it won't be the guy you like forever. We have to support constitutionalism before supporting the man in office. Which I do. I support Trump. But I support the Constitution first. All right. Alan Spector has the news at the top of the hour. And so what are you talking about? Some uh, federal workers are a bit unhappy that they're not getting paid today because of the government shutdown. And also uh, some good news concerning UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton. All right. Yeah. Good news for uh, hopefully he'll be playing next year. Um, that, that, would, that would be an amazing story yeah. if he comes back next He's year. He's making some progress. We'll hear about it in just a couple of minutes here. And we're going to talk about traditional masculinity. You had teased that story yesterday, and I looked more into it. An organization says it's harmful. Traditional masculinity is harmful. Who said that? I'll reach back and slap them. <laughs> the whole organization, Melissa Fox, is going to come back and slap them. Well, I'll tell you that in the next half hour. <laughs> 
WFLF Fine Hills, Orlando. WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando. And W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando. It is Friday here on the 50,000-watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Filling in for Bud today, this is Yaffe. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, payday without paychecks. Details are coming up in one minute. So is traditional masculinity harmful? We'll take your calls and talk about it next. Today is payday, but hundreds of thousands of federal employees will not be getting paychecks. Some 800,000 government workers are furloughed or working without pay because of the partial shutdown now on its 21st day. Federal workers rallied yesterday in the state capitol, urging the politicians in Washington to quit bickering and end the government shutdown. Ray Coleman is a corrections officer at the federal prison in Tallahassee, and he won't be getting his usual paycheck today, but the convicts in work programs will. The ironic thing about it is that the inmates are still getting paid, Congress is still getting paid, and, you know, no matter how you look at it, it's like the crooks are getting paid, you know, we're the ones that aren't getting paid. Coleman says their protest has nothing to do with border walls or assigning blame for the government shutdown. They just want to get paid for the work they've already done. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. As President Trump continues to make his case for constructing a border wall, he got a first-hand look at the border yesterday. On a tour of the Rio Grande with Border Patrol agents, President Trump again made his pitch for a border barrier. Where we have a good, strong barrier, you don't have problems. Now, the problem is they go to the barrier, that's it, but now they go around the barrier. So when you fill up the gaps, it's going to be a much different day. The president also met with mayors from the Valley region. McAllen Mayor Jim Darling says local leaders must be a part of border security solutions with consideration of the Border Patrol, ecological concerns, and property rights. In McAllen, Texas, Jared Halpern, Fox News. Wisconsin police say 13-year-old Jamie Kloss, who went missing in October, has been found alive. Kloss vanished after her parents were found shot to death in Barron County, in the western part of Wisconsin, the Barron County Sheriff says a suspect has been taken into custody. Here in Florida, a discovery in Marion County could end the search for a missing couple. Deputies this week found what may be human remains outside a home in Dunellen. That's where 75-year-old Leighton Underwood and his 69-year-old wife Donna lived. They were reported missing last weekend, and their car was reported stolen, perhaps by a relative. One person is dead after a shooting in Brevard County. That happened yesterday afternoon in Palm Bay at a home on Firth Road. The victim has not been identified. There's no word on a suspect or a motive. And the University of Central Florida quarterback who suffered a career-threatening injury is providing an update on his health. That sound you're hearing is Knights quarterback Mackenzie Milton using a leg press. Incredible progress in his recovery from a gnarly leg injury that he suffered back on November 23rd, resulting in multiple surgeries with fear at one point that his leg might be amputated after dislocating his knee entirely and ceasing blood flow to the injury site as a result. Milton writing in a post for that social media video, thanking God for the miracles I see every day in my life, went from almost losing my leg to leg pressing 40 pounds in a little over a month. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. Great news. WFLA News Time is 8.05. Amazon's Jeff Bezos did not have a prenup and could lose over $60 billion in a divorce. <laughs> Whoops. That story is online at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. 
news for the ride home. PM Orlando starts January 14th at 5 p.m. You know what's really amazing about that, though? He'll still have $60 billion (laughs) left over. (laughs) I mean, wow. All right, this is a Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud is sick, but he should be back on Monday. We have Alan Spector giving you the news. Tom Benson is producing. And by the way, Tom, this is almost like a preview of what's coming up on Monday. Big start, uh, big news from Monday afternoons or weekday afternoons starting on Monday. Uh, Looking forward to it. That means uh, the... uh uh, Ramsey show will be on from three to five. Yes. And so they'll tell you how to get out of debt for those two hours. And then we'll uh, you know, burn all our uh, credit cards and get ready for the news at five. <laughs> yeah. So it's PM Orlando. PM Orlando hosted by me. Tom Benson will be there. Alan McBride will be <laughs> giving you the news. And it starts on Monday. It's the latest news for your drive home and my take on it all. Our news partners, Fox 35, will be giving us news reports every day as well and if you want to listen to us you can listen to us on 93.1 fm am 540 or your iheart radio app here is uh, one of the top stories for you we're going to be talking about traditional masculinity here's a story about um, uh, one man who a lot of women like but is no longer available one of the planet's most eligible bachelors is off the market. Former University of Florida quarterback Tim Tebow announced yesterday that he is engaged to Miss Universe 2017. <laughs> the 31-year-old Tebow popped the question at his family's home in Jacksonville. 23-year-old Demi... Hold on. Demi Lanell Peters. Did I say that right? No. Well, how do you say it? Demi Lee Nell Peters. Oh, Demi Lee Nell Peters. Demi of Lee. Demi Lee. Okay. Of South Africa said Yes. I know she's uh yeah Miss former Miss Universe 2017 so yeah sorry ladies I guess that's the best he could do <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get 2018 so uh, he went for 2017 <laughs> updates in our top stories Old every news. ten minutes here on Good Morning Orlando PM Orlando with Michael Yaffe starts January 14th at 5 p.m. News Radio 93.1 so the American Psych psychological association created some controversy this week with a new report that they put out what they did is they released guidelines concerning men and boys they said in this report that so-called traditional masculinity not only is harmful but also could lead to homophobia and sexual harassment Now, how do they define traditional masculinity? They defined it as socializing boys towards anti-femininity, achievement, um, getting rid of the appearance of weakness, and it uh, it also uh, has adventure, risk, and violence. So they're basically saying that men should not worry about being anti-feminine. They shouldn't focus too much on achievement. They should maybe have some appearance of weakness from time to time. And they shouldn't worry too much about their obsession with adventure, risk, and violence. Now, um, it says here, it says traditional masculinity ideology has been shown to limit male psychological development and constrain their behavior. 
result in gender role strain and gender role conflict and negatively influence mental health and physical health. That's what the report warns. And uh, one of the professors at the University of Akron and co-editor of this uh, report said, though men benefit from the patriarchy. Akron? The Akron, probably. Akron. Sorry, Ah. Akron. University of Akron and co-editor of the APA uh, volume, The Psychology of Men and Masculinities, says though men benefit from, from patriarchy, they also impinged upon by the patriarchy. So what they're saying is a lot of these things that we see, a lot of the attitudes that are pretty much natural to most boys, young men, and men, you know, the wanting to be tough, the wanting to go on adventures, the competitiveness, and things like that, they say are dangerous. Is that professor male or female? <laughs> um, that is. Do we know uh, that? Uh, well, it's Ronald. Yeah, it's Ronald Levant. So well, I'm thinking, these, these days you're really not sure. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's a male. Look, I get the gist, okay? Masculinity, bad, 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 right? Is that what they're saying? Yes. I mean, that's pretty much it. Traditional male qualities like courage, self-reliance, those things. Competitiveness, yes. bad. That's what they're what? saying. No, I got to go to my safe place. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do, because I want to know if there's anyone out there who agrees with this. See, the problem here is they're saying that all these things are bad. I think a lot of the problems in our society today are for the opposite reason. I think a lot of the problems in our society today is that there aren't enough men who are willing to be self-reliant. Right on. Courageous. Right on. Assertive. Yes. And all of those things they're mentioning. These are qualities that are good for a society and good for men, and a lot of men are not taught these qualities when, anymore. When I heard you were going to do this subject today, I looked yes. it up. All right, I looked this and I read through, and I counted the word transgender fifty-six times. The word masculine only fifty-three. They started talking about non-binary and all these weird things going on, and they miss so much: racism, homophobia, all this. I mean, this is just crazy. This talk. tells you where the agenda is. Yes. The agenda is to push the transgender movement. Sissify America. Yeah, because they feel like traditional masculinity offends a lot of people in the LGBTQ community. It has to do with gender stereotypes. Yes. Yes. It's, and I get it. But contrary to the whole thing here. Uh, there are always exceptions to the rule. <laughs> but they're generally men are different from women, and generally men have certain qualities in their nature that are the qualities they are saying are bad, but that are actually good for society. There's got to be hunters. There's got to be gatherers. Okay? Yeah. This is just ridiculous. I mean, they did a study in within this report that you're talking about with the APA where they used baby monkeys, and the baby monkey boys were given a choice of playing with toys, trucks, or dolls. Mm-hmm. Okay, and these toys, they picked up the trucks. Of course. And the baby monkey girls picked the dolls. So, I mean, it's it's there. It's it's inherent. It, it, mm. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, though, don't you think there is a, a danger in expectations being set up for males uh, in terms of what they are supposed to be and the feeling that maybe they're not living up to that? No. I okay, mean, I think fine. Kid- I'll see you later. <laughs> when you look at the fact that there's I, about 25% of boys being brought up by single moms 
And you think they've got to be boys. Let me explain. Let me explain my reason for what you were saying. There can be a danger to have too high expectations, unrealistic expectations and so forth. I'm thinking if you're if you're being trained not to ever be because you mentioned weakness, I'm thinking vulnerability that uh, if you're trained never to be vulnerable, not to show your emotions, uh, that can be problematic. I think in the extreme suicide, I think I think in the extreme you're right, to say never be vulnerable. But I think on the average, I think it's good to teach men to want to show strength, to want to show courage, to want to be a stable rock and a stable force in the household and in society. Why can't we teach that to women as well? All those qualities you just mentioned. I mean, I'm not saying it's against... Strength, achievement, being a solid uh, person. Well, women can have some of those qualities, but women are inherently different than men men are tech nearly the stronger ones men are usually the more sort of ones it's a part of their nature women tend to be the more compassionate the more um, nurturing ones the more caregiving ones they have these separate roles because naturally that's usually how it is anyone who raises boys or girls will know that the boys and the girls are different but what happens in the dangerous what's dangerous about you know wanting to get rid of males natural tendencies is you try to suppress it and they can't handle the suppression of it. And instead of, you know, teaching them to control those natural tendencies tendencies for good, they instead use it for bad because they were never taught the right way to do it. So instead of being taught to be protectors, which men should be taught to be protectors, they use that aggression for negative things, for violence against their neighbor, when they should use that natural aggression to be protectors of, say, their wives or their children. We're going to talk more about this. I have some audio cuts from Jordan Peterson, who has written a lot about this as well. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. So we've been talking about what the APA came out with, saying traditional masculinity is deemed harmful. And by traditional masculinity, they say stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression. And they all believe that is harmful. Let's take a call here. We have some calls uh, coming in, Alan Spector. Yeah, and from Orlando, Billy is on the line. Good morning, Billy. Hey, good morning, team. Uh, listen, I, uh, Rafi, I, I, I disagree with you sometimes on just some of the things you say. But I'm telling you, that last minute and a half that you talked about male masculinity was so accurate and so right on. Um, we're in a society nowadays where, you know, any time that there is you know, any wavering of that, um, it really sets a pattern for people, like you said, to act out destructively. And as a kid growing up, um, you know, my dad was a great role model. And a lot of this has to do with getting out and exerting that extra energy that's built up. And anytime you stifle something like that, you're, you're heading in a direction where something's going to explode. And I just want to compliment you on You oh. sounded like a young bud man there for like two <laughs> minutes, right out the gate. Well, thank was, you. Was, I appreciate it that. Was, you're, you're welcome. And it, it was just excellent, you know, and, and, and you really, like you said, you've got to be careful because, you know, people are volatile and there's yeah. a lot of pressure on young kids growing up. And when you try to transform them into something they're not, something's going to break. Yeah, and we're seeing that happen in too many young men in this country. Um, so, uh, by the way, I wanted to play some audio here from Jordan Peterson. A lot of you know him. I'm sure you follow him and have read some of his stuff. 
and listen to some of his stuff. He's professor and best-selling author talking about why this movement against masculinity exists in the first place. He was on Tucker talking about it. This is what he said. Because it's easy to mistake masculine competence for the tyranny that hypothetically drives the patriarchy. It's part of a ideological worldview that sees the entire history of mankind as the oppression of women by men, which is a dreadful way of looking at the world, a very pathological way of looking at the world. It's not like men and women always get along any more than men and men get along, or women and women for that matter. But fundamentally, human history is a cooperative enterprise, and men and women have lifted themselves out of the mire over millennia in their cooperative endeavor. And to describe that as centuries of the oppression of men by of women by men is an absolute absolutely reprehensible ideological rewrite of history all right and then he was asked what advice would you give to parents or what would you tell parents to say to the their young men and boys this is what he said well i would say first of all encourage them and i mean that most deeply is that to encourage someone is to instill courage in them to support their courage and that doesn't mean protect them from what's dangerous. It means teach them how to be competent and teach them that they can rely on themselves to prevail, in, even in the darkest of circumstances. So, by the way, I just wanted to—I just wanted to mention one thing. Usually, when I talk about this with different people or talk about it on my show, this subject, most people that agree with me that men need to be strong and we shouldn't stifle their nature too much. Most people that agree with me are women, believe it or not. A lot of women... I agree with you. Yeah, a lot of women I talk to, a lot of women listeners, women family members, they tell me that they think the attack on men in this, si in this society is a real problem and hurting our society. They like strong men. And they just it just has to be taught in a way that uses that strength for good and not evil. Alan Spector, you are here, and you have uh, some of the latest news for us at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to try to deliver it in a strong, masculine fashion Good. as well. Uh, what I expect. Broward County is getting a new <laughs> sheriff, it looks like. And uh, what else is going on? Oh, uh, we've got uh, some people coming back to Port Canaveral who aren't feeling too well. Yeah, a lot uh, of people on that ship. It is 8.30 here on Good Morning, Orlando. <laughs> no. oh. So, um... A lot of people are coming home sick on a cruise here in Florida, and you have more on that story. We'll have more on that sickening story coming up in yeah. moments, so be prepared. In the meantime, it looks like uh, there's going to be a new sheriff in town down in Brevard, uh, rather Broward County. Governor Ron DeSantis will be traveling to South Florida today, and he is expected to announce the suspension of Scott Israel. He's been under fire for his department's response to the Valentine's Day massacre at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, or perhaps lack of response. Israel's replacement will reportedly be Coral Springs Sergeant Gregory Tony. He would become Broward's first black sheriff. Other changes the new governor is making include a reboot of the South Florida Water Management District. Environmentalists have complained for years that the South Florida Water Management District is more concerned with protecting polluters than safeguarding water. Their budget was slashed during the Rick Scott administration. Scientists were fired, developers named to the board of directors. Now Governor Ron DeSantis says it's time for a clean reset. He sent letters demanding the resignation of every member of the board of directors. DeSantis says he'll be appointing people who share his vision for restoring the Everglades, protecting the environment, and cleaning up the water supply. 
In Tallahassee, Rick Flagg, News Radio 93.1 WFLI. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A Royal Caribbean cruise ship is returning to Port Canaveral early due to a nasty outbreak of a stomach virus. Is there any other kind of outbreak of a stomach virus other than nasty? The Oasis of the Seas will arrive tomorrow instead of Sunday because more than 250 passengers and crew are sick. Passengers will get some money back, including this woman. I've been in ships before where this has happened, and one of the things that we're really thankful for is the fact that we got a full day's credit, um, which hasn't happened before. Royal Caribbean issued a statement pointing out that only about 3% of the 6,000 passengers are sick, but the ship is returning early to be thoroughly sanitized before the next sailing. Uh SpaceX is set to launch a rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California this morning. The Falcon 9 is scheduled to lift off at 10.31 a.m. Come on, you can do it. Orlando time, as long as the weather holds, the rocket will send a set of communication satellites into space. I'm hearing sound effects in my head. Fart noises. Tampa Bay's (laughs) new head coach, careful. Tampa Bay's new head coach made his debut yesterday at one Buccaneer place, Former Arizona Cardinals head coach Bruce Arians is coming back to the NFL after a year off and is excited about his new job. We love young players. I love veteran players. But this is a great group. I think we have the core here to win quickly. I'm not about building. I'm about reloading. And uh, with that, I can't say how, again, how excited I am to be a Tampa Bay Buck. Bucks general manager Jason Light calls Arians the coolest damn coach in the <laughs> NFL. And elsewhere... Long live rock and long live the who, apparently. Their longtime managers confirming the band will tour the United States this year and will also record an album in 2019. That announcement came yesterday from manager Bill Kerbishley during an interview with BBC Radio. Kerbishley said Pete Townsend has written about a dozen what he calls really great songs, and is writing more. As for the tour, he said there will be an announcement over the next couple of weeks. Um, have they written? Have they done an album recently, or has it been a while? I think it's been a while. Yeah, I was yeah, trying I hope to remember. They die before they get old. <laughs> yeah. Huh? It's a who song. <laughs> okay, fine. That's I right. I see how you leave me. I, I see how you do it. <laughs> Let's look at some more geriatric rockers. It, it took me a while to get that, but uh-huh. thank you. A women's rights group is calling on RCA Records to drop R&B singer R. Kelly. The group Ultraviolet has commissioned a banner with the words Drop Sexual Predator R. Kelly, and it's scheduled to fly over Sony Music Offices in California this morning. Kelly's accused of sexual abuse against multiple women who shared their allegations against him in a new Lifetime docuseries called Surviving R. Kelly. Since it aired last week, people have called for a boycott of his music and for him to be prosecuted over the alleged abuse. And finally, one of the biggest things at this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas is a TV. Samsung showed off its new screen yesterday. It measures 219 inches. (laughs) That's what he said. That's more than 18 feet of TV screen measured diagonally. If that's too much for you, the South Korean tech giant has shrunk its micro-LED TV they called The Wall down to a mere 75 inches. Oh, okay. Just, just Carry do, that around with you. Yeah, I mean, come on, put, put it in it, your pocket. Sure. <laughs> I, I swore you were going to talk about the laundry folding machine. Oh, you wait. and the laundry folding machine. You, <laughs> you just really hate folding laundry, don't you? Do you fold laundry? Uh, not very well. See? 
<laughs> just mm-hmm. the thing. The thing. My question is: Can this laundry folding machine fold a fitted sheet? Yeah, and see, that's my Ooh. question too, because I don't think anyone can really. It's the true challenge. <laughs> it is the challenge. I would like to see that, or does it just like overheat and explode or something? Because it <laughs> this does do not it. compute. <laughs> just doesn't know there what to do. There have been a lot of fine inventions at the Consumer Electronics Show, though. I got to well, tell you. Well, from what I've heard, one of the big things that's going on at the the electronics show is the driverless flying cars. Yes, yes, which the, I hope never ever happens. Driverless flying cars, really? Yeah. yeah I'm oh, not... it's coming. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jetsons. I mean, there, there... <laughs> there's cars also that apparently can sprout legs and start walking around. Really? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I have to look that. These up. are, and there's a, a reason for that. It's for off-terrain use, and oh, uh, particularly sense. for emergency responders to be able to yeah. get places where they can't on wheels. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, sure it does. Yeah, thank it's you. It's no laundry that. folding machine, but <laughs> come on. <laughs> I think that but one yeah. makes a lot of sense too. I wish I could go to that uh, that show when you. I would. I would love to look. I'd at like a lot you to go the there right adventures. now. Yeah, Thanks. we'll send you. See ya. <laughs> Got any frequent flyer miles you want to cash in? <laughs> I mean, if you want, if you want to pay for me to go, I'll go. All right. Um, so here's my question for the last half hour of the show: Would you be willing to accept a deal for the government shutdown? That includes amnesty for the Dreamers. A wall for DACA deal. No. Here is an update on the top national story for you right now. Today is payday, but hundreds of thousands of federal workers won't be getting paychecks. Some 800,000 government workers are furloughed or working without pay because of the partial shutdown now in its 21st day. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. So, this is uh, Good Morning Orlando. This is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud's sick, but he should be back on. uh, He should be back on Monday. Uh, Make sure to have that channel off before you test the audio there, Tom Benson. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, so you're going to hear that audio in just a sec. But this is the question I have for you this half hour, because this is something that is becoming a possibility. Would you be willing to accept a deal that would be amnesty for the dreamers in exchange for wall funding? Now, I was reading from the Washington Examiner, and they were saying that Pelosi might be open to this deal, although it really looks like probably not. Now, this was a potential deal earlier this year, and it would have been $25 billion for border security in exchange for some kind of amnesty deal for the Dreamers. Then Trump backed out of that. Now, yesterday, Nancy Pelosi didn't rule out the possibility of broad immigration reform deal to end an impasse between Democrats and President Trump over border wall funding. When asked if she's open to exchanging border wall funding for a deal to legalize Dreamers, um, she said, we have always stood ready to discuss comprehensive immigration reform and, of course, the Dreamers. But she says that they have not had that discussion with the Trump administration. I already got a bunch of texts coming in saying, no way, they would not accept this deal. I'll give my take in a second. But one person who was really pushing this deal, at least was at first, is uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. But this is what he said about it yesterday. It's in its infant stages. No commitment by anybody. 
but I'm somewhat hopeful that maybe there's a way to get what the president wants in a fashion that would do the least amount of damage to the country as possible. So that was him yesterday talking about a deal. But later in that day, last night, Lindsey Graham kind of changed his tune and put out this statement. He said, Speaker Nancy Pelosi's refusal to negotiate on funding for a border wall barrier, even if the government were to be reopened, virtually ends the congressional path to funding for a border wall. He said, it is time for President Trump to use emergency powers to fund the construction of the border wall slash barrier. So now even Lindsey Graham is jumping on the bandwagon to have him declare a national emergency and build a wall. So when I saw that by Lindsey Graham, who was pushing for the deal, it seems like that that even that deal is not possible. And Lindsey Graham himself has given up on it and is just saying, look, we need to get the wall built. But my question for you is, would you accept that deal? I think a lot of Trump supporters might accept that deal if there is proof that the wall is being built. I think the wall is the first priority over the dreamers, but they might be willing to have some kind of exchange too. Now I had one texter who said this said, um, he said wall first, then consider DACA not before. So he's saying we need to build the wall first and maybe we consider DACA down the line. Now, if you listen to me over the Christmas break when I was filling in for Bud, I had said I was somewhat open to a deal like that because I wanted border security and I wanted wall funding. But, you know, I started thinking about it more yesterday, and here's the problem with a deal like that. I don't trust Congress to do it right. That's the biggest problem I have. If we were going to do some kind of deal, it would have to be on an individual basis. So those uh, dreamers, so-called would have to apply individually, and then we determine whether they stay or go on an individual basis. But I don't trust Congress to do that. What Congress would probably do, unfortunately, and Republicans want this as well, it's not just Democrats here, they would probably just pass some kind of blanket amnesty for the Dreamers and also add in a bunch of other things. So those here on temporary status, they would probably add amnesty for them or let them stay longer. And they would also possibly add more workers in the H-1B1. And Trump actually had a tweet on that this morning. So I don't know if, uh, I just don't know if I trust Congress to do it right. That's really the problem. Melissa, you looked like... You know, you well, had some... I did, because I was thinking about what Dick Durbin was saying yesterday about the temporary fix for DACA recipients. It doesn't... Uh, there needs to be a real clear path to citizenship for DACA. You've got 1.8 million immigrants who would be eligible for this protection, but... There's no clear path. So if they just toss these two, I'll give you DACA, you give me a wall, it's not going to work. Yeah, and it needs to be done. It needs to be done right. And that really is the issue. The other issue is when you pass an amnesty bill like that, the word gets down to Central America that something like that was passed, and it kind of creates another magnet. And we already have the problem with too many illegals trying to get in right now, especially from Central America. It might encourage more of them. But I want your take on this. Do you would you accept this deal for the wall? I think there are some Trump supporters out there that want the wall and want border security so badly that they would be willing to accept some kind of deal here, especially to get the government open. Welcome to the 50,000 watt front porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA.
All right, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. You can listen to us, like it said, on 93.1 FM, but you can also listen to us on 540 AM and the Radio app or on HD Radio 107.7 HD3. I asked the question, would you be willing to accept a deal for the Dreamers in exchange for the wall? It seems like one of the only ways to get out of the government shutdown, although it seems that that deal is likely not possible either. have a bunch of text messages coming in. Melissa, do you want to read some of those texts? Yes, I'm sorry. I was just laughing at one of them. Um, it says, uh, this one says, I'm fine with anyone having amnesty that already is here, even if it's illegally, but they'll need to register, start the process of getting visas and be legal by December 31st, 2019. No exceptions after that deportation. Okay. So he's saying he's open to it if it's done right. Kind of like what I was saying. Right. Uh, clear path for DACA people. There's there. Follow the law. It's already in existence. Yeah. Saying follow the law as it currently exists. The problem with that is they would have to go back to their home countries. Yep. And then do it, which, you know, they've been here since they were kids. That's kind of, that's why a lot of people feel like that's a problem. Got another one just came in from Barry in Orlando, said, no, no, we'd give away the farm with DACA amnesty. And by design, the wall would be done in a completely ineffective manner. Advice, don't fall for it. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> All right. The funny so. one was, though, uh, just tuned in. Uh, how about we trade Supreme Court pick uh, to Democrats? That's Ginsburg because she's going to go away. For the wall? For the wall funding. Yeah. <laughs> I like that I idea. Wanna <laughs> see, I want to see Trump throw that out there. Let's we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That'd be I, interesting. They might grab that. <laughs> <laughs> they probably would. <laughs> That's, uh, that is a funny one. By the way, we did have a, one earlier when we were talking about the government workers not getting paid because they're on furlough. They get paid for doing nothing as a it is. They have better benefits than most of us. This one goes on to say it's not our first shutdown. As a matter of fact, if it goes on through tomorrow, it'll be the longest one ever. Right yeah. now we're tied, tied with 21 days. Clintons. And, and I think the big problem is here is that other people are being affected, not just the federal workers, but the services they provide are not being provided or may not be provided as well. If you've got TSA workers, air traffic controllers worried about paying their mortgage, right? Uh, they're minds might not be on their job as they should be well a lot of them are calling out sick and that and that was kind of the issue that i had we the purpose of the government isn't to employ people the purpose is to provide the services so the real issue is the need for the services not the people you know being uh, out of work for a little you're right and again um i'm sorry if you can't make your mortgage payment but that doesn't you know it's like we didn't hire we didn't didn't hire me and then say how much do you have in debt because we want to cover that with your salary doesn't work that way yeah i mean i'm not i'm not unsympathetic i understand it's kind of a rough time for them and i and i'm not happy that they're going through a rough time or anything but uh, people in the private sector have rough times all the time all day but again let's look at the big picture of everyone who's being affected by this but the bigger picture is really what is needed and what's the really big picture we need a wall the big picture is Michael Yaffe's going to be w- back with his own show on Friday oh, afternoon, yes, PM Orlando. That is the biggest Friday. story of the day. Tom Benson Monday will be afternoon. there. Monday. Okay. <laughs> Starting Monday, we have PM Orlando, and it's going to be Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. 5 to 6 p.m. It's going to be the latest news for your drive home and my take on it all. We're going to have our news partners, Fox 35, giving us news reports. Alan McBride will also be giving us news reports. And like I said, Tom Benson will be producing. Don't worry, Dave Ramsey will be on through. 
3 to 5 p.m. tell you how to get out of debt. And then... Then listen to get, a person who's in debt. <laughs> don't tell Dave. Okay. You know, don't I'm tell glad Dave. jail and people are getting their $3, uh, you know, paychecks. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> All right. So uh, I appreciate y'all listening. I'll end the show just like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America. And I'll catch you guys next time.